third. Okay, now the reason that I left Florida early and got all the way back here to Kansas City is because one of my really good friends is coming today to uh, bring the word of God. He's a, a, a dear friend, uh, one of the, um, I'm young, but I've learned already in life that there are few people who can actually draw your heart closer to Jesus. And when you find these people and you become friends with these people, you never let them go, right? And so who I'm about to introduce to you is one of those people for me. Uh, we had the privilege of working together at a church in Indiana uh, for, for just over six years. And um, I found my friend Dexter Harris to be one of the most humble men of God that I've ever known. He is an uh, entrepreneur. He is doing really uh, incredible work in the city of Gary, Indiana. Uh, Dexter has done more for the city of Gary than I think the entire state of Indiana has done in the past five years. Uh, even before he hopped on a plane on, uh, on Saturday, he was serving homeless people in his church, uh, helping bring the good news of Jesus to all people. He is a Heartlander who doesn't know he's a Heartlander yet. So Heartland, come on. I would love for you to, to show honor to Dexter this morning. Would you stand up out of your seat? Give him a little round of applause and welcome to the stage my very good friend, Dexter Harris. Come on. No, make some noise. Come on. Give him a Heartland, welcome. He'll preach better if you shout. Come on, everybody. Welcome, Dexter Harris. Come on, preacher. All right, what a welcome. That's going to help a preacher preach for sure. Uh, grateful to uh, be here. I want to haste to share my appreciation to Pastor Dan for this opportunity to be with you all. Before we get started, just want to do a little housekeeping. Uh, black preaching is dialogical, which means that there's a conversation that happens between the preacher and those in the seat. In other words, if you want to say amen, you can say amen. If you want to say, if you want to stand up and say, brother, that is for me, I will come and high five you and everybody will know that we are on the same page. But I'm Red Bull excited to be here. And if you have your copy of God's word and you want to follow along, we will be camping out uh, in the gospel of Mark chapter 10. Uh, right around verse 46 through, four, uh, through 52. When you're there, say amen. amen. All right, we're on the right page already and off to a great start. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with the disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Verse 52. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. One of my most recent favorite movies, don't judge me, don't talk about me, is Spider-Man No Way Home. 
I thought I would have got an amen somewhere out there. It's a movie that my wife and three children enjoy from beginning to end. It also features one of my most favorite entertainers, my chocolate brother, Jamie Foxx. <laughs> most of you would know he plays the character Electro. Electro is a supervillain, uh, super one of the web slinger most prominent foes. Electro's superpower revolves around controlling electricity which can absorb, which he can absorb to charge himself and become more powerful, gaining additional abilities such as flight and superhuman strength and speed. In Spider-Man No Way Home, the web slinger tries to get the supervillain home, but Church is uninterested because he enjoys the power on this new earth. The issue with Electro is he doesn't want to use his power to help people but to harm. He wants to use his power for himself. He wants to elevate himself and become significant. He sees power as a means to status and significance. I believe we all can relate this morning. Power can be used for good or it can be used for evil. Now, none of us, although we wish, none of us can fly or none of us have superhuman strength, no, super, super, superhuman strength, no matter how many biceps and triceps we have. <laughs> but we have different levels of power within our societal context. And it can be used to help someone or destroy someone or to elevate ourselves. How should we use power? There's no better person to learn from than the most powerful being in the world. Jesus saw power differently than Electro. Jesus is the most powerful being in the universe. Amen. I think I'm going to say that one more time. I like the way that that sounds. Jesus is the most powerful being in the universe. Amen. See, the president has some power, but Jesus has all power, not just all power. He has unlimited power. He has supernatural power, power over demons, power over disease, and hallelujah, praise the Lord, somebody, power over death. Amen. And he has shown in scripture that he has absolute authority over everything, including that which was most sacred to the Jews, the Sabbath, and even the law. And what we see Jesus do most often with his power is help insignificant people, the poor, the marginalized, the forgotten, and any sinner that will put his trust in him. Jesus makes time and space for them to access his power. Jesus clearly saw and used power different than Electro. The significant Jesus often in scripture, makes himself available for insignificant people. And in our text today, we learn from Jesus how to steward power, not by a lecture that Jesus gives, but by watching him in action. For Jesus was not just a hearer of the word, but he was a doer of the word. I want to preach from this thought, power for insignificant people, power for insignificant people. We look now at the healing ministry of Jesus. This is the final healing, the final miracle really in Jesus' ministry. 
Jesus started his miraculous ministry, and some of y'all may praise the Lord too hard on this one. He started his miraculous ministry with turning water into wine. Just keep looking at me. (laughs) And concludes it with giving sight to a blind man. Between his first and last miracle are many other miracles. During Jesus' earthly ministry, he filled Israel with one miracle after the other. Virtually in almost every town and village, Jesus was healing and doing all kinds of miraculous things that no other human being had exercised. Each miracle confirming his deity, that he was not just a man, but that he was God in the flesh. But what makes this last miracle so significant? This healing of this blind man. Well, it's important to note that this Jesus' last healing miracle as as he presses on to Jerusalem where he will be crucified. Now I need you to lean in on this one. Jesus is on his way to become the suffering servant, to become the rejected one, to become the sacrificial lamb. The one with all power is getting ready to die for those with no power over death. Life must be heavy for Jesus as he moves towards the cross. We know later he will sweat drops of blood. And when you and I are going through difficulty, let's be honest, let's drop our church mask for a moment. When you and I are going through difficult times, we have little capacity for anything or anyone. We cut off our phones. We get off social media. we rather not be bothered. We limit access to ourselves. I note this to highlight Christ's compassion for insignificant people. I note it to highlight his love for normal people like you and me. I note it as to convey to you this morning that God is never too busy to deny access to his power for those who need it. I'm going to say that again. God is never too busy or preoccupied with running the universe that he does not make access and opportunity for those who are in need. This is why the Bible says boldly approach the throne of grace in a time of need. What a compassionate and gracious God we serve. If there's one thing God knows, God knows humanity needs Jesus. And not only does God know we need it, need Jesus, so does our writer this morning, Mark. You see, Mark, unlike John's gospel, doesn't tell us why he's writing. He doesn't, he doesn't tell us. He doesn't write it verbatim. But there is something there, there. There is some wording that helps us to pick up on John's purpose of writing his gospel. Mark uses words and phrases of urgency in his gospel such as immediately, suddenly, and straight away. Mark's gospel seems to be written in a hurry, if you will. He he hops from one event to the next in a hurry. And and some scholars believe this is because Mark is trying to preserve the eyewitness account of Jesus' earthly ministry 60 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus because Mark understands the importance of Jesus' ministry. It is the first of the four Gospels to be written, but he, not, but, but, but he is not only writing for preservation, but to convey that the story of Jesus is good news. And friends, this morning, it's important that, 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 that you and I are reminded that the life and ministry of Jesus is good news. And it's not just good news for those considered significant in this life, but it's good news also for the insignificant, the marginalized, the destitute, and the forgotten. 
And nothing highlights this like the end of chapter 10, that Jesus is for everyone, including insignificant people. We see this highlighted today at the end of chapter 10 where Jesus, where's Jesus at the end of chapter 10? He is now on the way to Jerusalem, the last stop to Jericho. And so far in Mark's gospel, Jesus is mainly surrounded by unbelief and hatred. What a condition to be in. And those closest to Jesus didn't get him, nor did they believe, nor did they understand Jesus. The religious leaders thought that he was the prince of demons. Check that out. They thought that Jesus was demon-possessed, the Son of God. And if it doesn't get any worse, check this out. His family thought that he was a lunatic. Anybody ever had your family think that you were crazy? Uh, Jesus can relate to you uh, this morning. There's hope for you after all, amen? Sometimes it's people who have the closest access to God who never take advantage of it. Sometimes it's those in church that pray the least. Mark makes it clear in his gospel that it wasn't the noble and mighty that often believed in Jesus or took advantage of the access to Jesus, but the poor, the outcasts, the nobodies, the nothings, the out, those outside of the church. And many times what we discover is that the Jewish people were not accessing Jesus, not because they couldn't, but because he wasn't the Jesus they expected. I need you to lean in on this. He was not the Messiah they wanted or the Messiah they were hoping for. He was a disappointment to them. They, see, 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 most of the people around Jesus wanted a Messiah that would upgrade them and give them status. The dictionary defines status as the position of an individual in relationship to others. It's the idea of fame. They wanted to be significant. And we see this clearly in his disciples earlier as they too are fighting for status and significance. Remember in verse 36 earlier in this chapter where Jesus says to James and John in their mother, what do you want? me to do for you. And what do they do with their access to Jesus' power? They want to be the first electros, both of them. (laughs) They use it as a chance to advance themselves. They wanted to use Jesus' power to become significant. They wanted more social media followers. They wanted to be blue check certified. I just put that in there so you guys can relate. (laughs) They wanted power over people. But Jesus wants them to understand that power is not given to Lord over people, but power in his kingdom is given to serve people. Let me say that again. Power in God's kingdom is not given to Lord over people, but power in God's kingdom is given to serve people. James and John, if you want to be significant, Heartland Church, if you want to be significant in God's kingdom, serve. And don't just, yeah, you give God praise for that. And don't just serve those who can serve you. Do you hear me, those of you who are online? Don't just serve those who can serve you, but those who cannot serve you back. Become a servant. In other words, identify with the marginalized, the destitute, and the forgotten. Become servants. And what I love about Jesus is he doesn't call his disciples to do anything he wouldn't do. Jesus in Mark is displayed as the suffering servant church. 
and nothing displays Jesus' humility like his stewardship and use of his very own power. He uses it not to lift himself or the significant, but the insignificant people. Jesus uses power to serve people. Take our blind man today, Barnabas. Come here, Barnabas, and help me preach to God's people this morning. First thing we notice about blind Bartimaeus is his condition, and his condition doesn't warrant access to Jesus. The Bible says they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I pause because I want you to catch what's going on already in the story. It's clear by his cry that Bartimaeus wants access to Jesus. He wants access to power he has heard of. But there is nothing about his condition from a human standpoint that would have warranted him a slot on Jesus' Google Calendar. There is nothing about him that would warrant Jesus to accept his IG or Facebook friend request. He's not blue check certified, he's a nobody. What was his condition anyhow? He was blind, he had lost his sight and blindness was a common condition in Bible times because of the various diseases and sanitary conditions. Not only was he blind, that was coupled with he was a beggar. Because of his physical condition, Bartimaeus was prevented from finding and performing a job to earn a living in that day. There weren't any welfare programs or charitable institutions who who would help him. There was no GoFundMe for him. There was no Social Security or other government programs to which he could turn to. Bartimaeus, friends, was totally dependent upon the generosity of others in order to survive. He was in a powerless condition, and he needed power that could liberate him. But where would he access this kind of power? What, where would he get such power from? And if we are honest this morning, we are or once were in the spiritual condition of Bartimaeus' physical condition. We were spiritually blind to our condition, sin, and impending doom, and this led to our spiritual poverty. I mean, we were lost in sin. And if you won't testify, I will. I know the condition I was in when God found this sinner up here today. He found me in the dumpster. But I praise God this morning that God is not afraid of reaching down into the dumpster and pulling people out and cleaning them up. Oh, friends, deep in sin. And until we can see ourselves as blind bar, as, until we can relate to him, as you can see, I gave him a nickname already. That's how we do. His name for now on is Bar. We will never see our need to access Jesus' healing power if we don't see our condition. We will never fall on our face and worship God for saving a wretch like me if I don't understand my condition. If we think all of heaven should stand at attention because of our resume or because we came to church with CCC, we will never see our need to access the power of the compassionate Christ. But this is not Barr. Barr knew he was blind, and he knew something was wrong with him. He knew his condition was beyond his ability and power, and this left him in a state of desperation. 
And I think that understanding of us gave him the ability to see in Jesus what others around him could not see. He knew that only Jesus could open his eyes. But Bar's not the only blind one in the text. See, you got to read it a little bit closer. You got to read it closer. In fact, compared to the others in the text, he has 20-20. You say, what do you mean? At least he can tell he needs Jesus and needs access to him. Early, I said the religious leaders thought they didn't need him. In fact, they thought that he was demon-possessed. In fact, they believe that so much, they are trying to get rid of Jesus. They're like, we don't need Jesus. Let's get rid of Jesus. Let's crucify him. They don't see they are lost and that they are beggars as well. They can do nothing, and they have nothing within themselves to produce salvation. And therefore, they never access Jesus or his kingdom. It reminds me of a classic movie. Maybe you know this one. Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. If you don't know that movie, uh, yo, oh, oh, you got to be resaved, you know. If you don't know Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, it's a classic that I just introduced my five-year-old daughter to. She loves the movie. She likes to stay up and watch it. But one of the things that Willy Wonka preaches to me, y'all got to pray for me because I try to just watch movies and they just start preaching to me. And then they turn around and say, make sure you preach me on Sunday morning. Y'all remember in Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, there were a group of kids that all received gold golden tickets, but most of the kids were rotten. They, 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 the, uh, these kids got to the factory. They did what they wanted to. They felt like they deserved to be there, but there was one kid, that one kid named Charlie, little old poor Charlie, didn't even expect to get a golden ticket. And one day he comes across a golden ticket. And when he comes across the golden ticket, it gives him full access to Willy Wonka's chocolate kingdom. And what Willy showed, what Charlie shows us Different from the other kids is that because he felt like he didn't deserve to be there, because of his humility, Willy Wonka turned around and gave him full access. He saw something that the rest of the kids did not see. Friends, there is something that Barr sees in Jesus that others didn't see. And there is something in Barr that Jesus saw, but, didn't, but Jesus didn't see in others around him. And his faith affords him access. Bar needs, access. Bar needs to access Jesus' power. So what does he do? Watch this. I love this part of the text. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bar hears that Jesus is coming. He's been hearing about Jesus coming his way. He recognizes who Jesus was. Apparently, Bartimaeus had heard about the, the miracles performed by Jesus. But not only did he hear of the miracles, watch this, but who the miracles were performed on. He must have heard about the leopards and the lame and the demon possessed, even the dead that Jesus had touched and made whole again. And you must have thought this Jesus shows compassion to insignificant people. He must have thought if he would do it for them, surely he would do it for me. He would do it for me, kind of like Charlie, who had faith that one day he would enter into the golden kingdom. 
This kind of hope in this blind beggar can only be explained by him understanding what kind of God Jesus is, a God of great compassion. When it comes to accessing people of importance, none of us, if we're being honest, really expect that those opportunities will be made available to us if we're in our right mind, right? Like it's not normal for insignificant people to access significant people like the president or our favorite singer or TV star. You ain't got to say the person out loud. And if, and if we're honest, we don't even try because we know there's no way in the world Michael Jackson is going to give Dexter an opportunity. Beyonce is going to give Dexter an opportunity. But Barr has something in his heart that others around him don't that gives him access to the power of Jesus. Friends, he has faith. And he cries out in faith. Bartimaeus exercises faith in Jesus, which is the key ingredient for receiving anything from God. See, friends, if you're going to access God's power, you must first believe that you are powerless and he is powerful. Bar had a condition that only Jesus could resolve. Friends, there are some things in life that your money will be able to solve. There are some things in life that your intellect will be able to solve. There are some things your network will be able to solve. But you just keep living, and there will come a day where there will be things that only the God of the universe can solve. And when you get in those situations, it will make you cry out to God, have mercy on me. And some of you may be saying, well, pastor, I'm not the shouting type. I'm not the crying type. I'm a little bit more sophisticated. And I get that because, because for the most part, none of us want to be helpless like my five-year-old daughter. My daughter one day got herself in a situation, y'all. I finally, I finally got home. I was able to lay down and, and, and turn on Netflix. Anybody like Netflix in the room? And so I get down. I get comfortable. You know how hard it is to find that comfortable spot. I find that comfortable spot. And I hear beckoning from the other room my little daughter. And she says, Daddy, help. Daddy, help. Y'all not going to believe this. I rush over to the other room to find Lila tangled up in her own shirt like this, y'all. And, and she, she's, all, she's all tangled up. And I tried to help her, but when I reached out to help her, she tried to kick me. Can y'all believe my daughter tried to take me out? And here's the thing is that, is that Lila likes to do things on her own, but she found herself in a situation that she couldn't get herself out of. And so instead of being the independent girl that she was, she had to depend on somebody. And so she shouted out from the other room, Daddy, come help me. And y'all, there are some situations in life that'll make you cry out and then make you cry out to God for God to help you. Amen. What I like about Barr is that he doesn't care what people think. He's shouting out. His condition is crazy and he has no power to do it. And so he shouts out and listen to how people respond. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he, just, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Desperate people do desperate things. And we will see what happens next. And, and hold on to your seats because this is the climax of the story for me. This is what made me almost throw my laptop. I almost just stopped writing. This part right here is what get me. This is what gave me. I got Red Bull excited when I read this part right here. Here it is. Jesus stops and grants access. You didn't shout. You didn't get excited. Okay. See, if you didn't shout, it's because you haven't been in situations 
that were outside of your control and God showed up at the right time, at the right moment, and those kind of moments make you shout. Watch this. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. I mean, let's just pause right here. Jesus stops. This is, this is huge. When Jesus heard the cry of this beggar, he stopped in his tracks and called Bar to come to him. Jesus stopped. No, like he really, really stopped for a nobody. He stopped for a forgotten person. He stopped for a blind man on his way to die for the world, on his way to carry our sins. He stops, church. And I personally think this has more to say about Jesus than it does blind Bartimaeus. Because I think Jesus didn't stop because Bar is a good dude, right? Like, like being poor doesn't make you good. But he stopped because he's good. And I need y'all to know this about the God that we serve, that God is good. It reminds me of... Of Dennis the Menace, anybody? <laughs> Dan, you know, you know about Dennis the Menace? Mr. Okay, you guys know what I'm talking about. Dennis the Menace. It's this part in Dennis the Menace that, 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 that I really, really love. That really draws my heart out. And I tell y'all, movies preach to me. Y'all got to pray for me. And so one day, one day, one day, uh, 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 Dennis baffles his friend. Because his friend scratches his head and he said, Dennis... You know what, I don't understand why Mrs. Wilson keeps baking you cookies. Because Dennis, if you know, Dennis is a, Dennis is a terror. And Dennis is not a nice kid. I mean, he's, he ruins Mr. and Mrs. Wilson's house. And Dennis looks his friend in the face and he says, Mrs. Wilson doesn't bake me cookies because I'm good. She bakes me cookies because she's good. Oh, that'll preach all by itself. God is good. Friends, God is good, loving, and compassionate, and he will stop just for you. Amen. He will stop for, yes, little oh you. Me, pastor, me right here. Yes, God will stop for little oh you. But not only is he good, but this is what I like, because his goodness is accompanied with his Ability, God is able. And I mean, I had people stop for me before, but couldn't help me. One time my car was stuck on the side of the road and I had a few people stop and say, you good? No, I'm not good. Can you help me out? Yeah, I actually need a jump. Sorry, no jumping tables. They wanted to help, but they were not able to help. But Jesus is not only good, he's able because he doesn't just have some power but he has all power, which means that he can do the impossible. He can do the things that normal human beings cannot do. In fact, theologian says that God has ex nihilo power. That's out of nothing power, that God can speak things into existence and they will come into existence. He spoke water and water came. He spoke light and light came. He healed, out, he healed blind eyes. He's able to do whatever it is that he needs to do in whatever situation that, 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 that he wants to exercise his power. God has unlimited power. Remember the 5,000. Remember he fed 5,000 with a Lunchable. He took a Lunchable and he divided it. 
Remember the woman at the well who was thirsty. He said that I can be water. Remember Lazarus and how Martha and Mary responded and said, Jesus, if you would have been here, our brother, would not, our brother would not have died. But what they didn't understand is that Jesus was the resurrection in the life. Jesus says that I am the resurrection and Jesus breaks into our existential reality and changes it. And what happens to Barr in this moment when he accesses the power of Jesus? He experienced the power of Jesus for insignificant people. When Bartimaeus came to Jesus, he was asked a very important question. And his response was one of pure faith. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. He trusted Jesus to heal him. And then the impossible happened, church. The blind man received his sight and was restored to wholeness at the words of Jesus. We need to understand that when Jesus says made whole, that phrase literally means has saved you. Bartimaeus, watch this. This is the good thing about when we come to Jesus, when we access his power, we get far more than physical healing. Amen. He got a spiritual healing. Why? Because he believed Jesus was more than a great physician, but that Jesus was the Messiah. And he called him son of David. In other words, Bar saw him as the good shepherd. He saw him as the doorway to life. He saw him as God's redeemer. As Job says in the Old Testament, I know that my redeemer lives. What do we learn from all of this? Jesus stopping. Barnabas shouting. Jesus calling him to himself, then healing this blind beggar. Online, what do we learn from this? What can we take away? What can we carry on Monday morning with us from this text? How can this text help us when we walk into our job tomorrow, when we cross our coworkers tomorrow, when we see our family at the dinner table? How does this text help us? What do we learn from this story? Here's an application for you. Number one, we can come to Jesus just as we are. We can come to Jesus just as we are. I'm going to talk to this side of the room. We can come to Jesus just as we are. They didn't shout loud enough. Let me try over here. We can come to Jesus just as we are broken and depressed and stressed. God says you ain't got to clean yourself up. You don't have to get yourself together, but you can come to me, blind Bartimaeus, Electro. You come to me not when you get yourself together, not when you figure it all out, but you come to me just as you are. That's power, church. But I'll be remiss if I ended this sermon with just an individualistic mindset because I don't think that this text is just for us to take something individually, but there's something for us to consider when it comes to our neighbor. Look what it says for the final analysis. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Barnabas was healed. Jesus told him to go his way. But watch this. 
Bartimaeus, however, wanted to be near to the one who had healed him, the one who had saved him, who wouldn't want to be close to Jesus. He followed Jesus. Now, what's the difference between Bartimaeus and the other people that are following Jesus? Because to follow Jesus, not just physically with your feet, but to follow Jesus is to be like him, is to be conformed into his image. If you want to be like Jesus, we got to not only follow him physically, but we have to obey him. We too, church, must allow the insignificant to access us. We want to be like Jesus. We need to allow insignificant people to access our lives as well. And so the last application is the church should use its power for insignificant people. The church shouldn't be after one type of people. We must use our power to help them, not crush them. What power has God given Heartland Church? What is God calling Heartland Church to? Are you here to help the voiceless and the powerless? helping those who suffer from injustice, the poor, the orphan, the widow. Besides spiritually speaking, that's all of us, poor, destitute without Jesus. Poor, insignificant people that are loved by a significant God. And we, and Bartimaeus, urges you to be like Jesus. Allow people to access your life and your home that they may experience the same power that changed your life, opened your eyes, and gave you sight to see the compassion in Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the power that is available to all who believe. God, we're thankful that we can come to you as we are. Lord, we don't have to get ourselves together We don't have to put on a mask. We don't have to put on makeup. But, Lord, we can come to you. And if we cry out to you, you don't deny us access. Instead, you give us more than what we bargained for. You give us wholeness of life. And, Lord, we pray as we experience that that, that power that changes, Lord, that we will then turn around and allow others to have access to us, that they, too, may experience power of Jesus. It is in your son's name that we pray. And all of Heartland said, Amen. 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 Want to thank Dexter for uh, coming in. He's going to hang out here. And um, bro, you broke a sweat. And that's a first for this stage. So um, you have to do something about that. But hey, as we leave today, uh, I'd love to remind you, one of the greatest ways to reach out to those around you is to bring them in to hear the message of Jesus. And so i uh, love for you grab a couple of these cards. And, and I'm convicted today just in myself thinking about maybe who are the people around me that I've overlooked that might actually be the people that God's put on my heart to bring on Easter. And so I'd love for you to grab these on your way out. I'd also love to invite you back Wednesday night to midweek, which is a phenomenal environment where you can meet your people and go deeper into the uh, conversations around what we've just heard. Heartland, we love you so much. Can't wait to see what God does this week in your life as we gather together next week. Go in God's grace. We'll see you.